Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How do the Miami Hurricanes match up with the North Carolina Tar Heels? Let's go behind enemy lines. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. This is a great opportunity for the Hurricanes to bounce back and put an awful loss behind them. For more on the North Carolina Tar Heels, let's connect for an epic crossover with Locked On Tar Heels. For more on this matchup, had to bring in my good friend Isaac Shade, Locked On Tar Heels, for some crossover magic, Miami Hurricanes, 25th ranked team in the country, how they're still ranked, I, I don't know. North Carolina, number 12, it's a prime time matchup at 7.30 p.m. Isaac, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay, Dono. I got I got my Braves jersey on. We're recording this on Wednesday. I got my tomahawk going ahead of game three between the Braves and the Phillies. We'll see what happens uh, tonight. But um Outside of that, you know, I got a little tickle in my throat, Dono. I'm struggling with that, but we'll, oh. we'll be fine here. I got the water. I got the coffee, which actually dries me out. That's probably worse. But uh, what's funny is that you mentioned that about falling out of the top 25. The Carolina fan base all week has been saying, oh, well, if that was us, we would have been gone. We would have been out of the AP top 25. And yeah. I, I get that. So it, it is. I was with you. I was like, wow, Miami's holding on. The voters uh, kept them in just a little bit there. Yeah, honestly, like I kind of felt like they deserved to drop out of the top 25 just as a lesson. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with here. I, I think you guys know where I'm going to go, so I will let Isaac take the floor first. Biggest storyline heading into this game from the North Carolina side? Well, the, the biggest news came out actually last Thursday, a week ago today, was that after this long, protracted, heated debate with the NCAA Tez Walker was finally ruled eligible for North Carolina this guy that was a preseason first team uh, all ACC wide receiver on the Bolitnikoff award watch list and is ruled immediately eligible so was able to play last week against Syracuse but while he's been practicing with the team it's not you know Dono it's not that's not a true representation of getting ready for games because since he's not eligible, you can't really have him getting all those first team reps. So all he had ahead of last week's game was a Friday walkthrough with the team and yet still had, I think, six receptions on eight targets, second on the team. And so what I the key storyline for me is how does this affect Carolina's offense now, which is already high level, which is already a lot more varied than it was last year. 
Um, so how does now getting this guy you expect to be your number one receiver a we full week's worth of reps back into this lineup, what does that mean for then how it filters out to everyone else on the offense? So I I'm really watching to see what the Carolina offense is with Tez Walker, uh, hopefully more fully ready than he was last week. And I, I was happy for Tez. Um, should have happened before the season even started. And I, I thought it was a little bit weak by the NCAA, the way they're like, oh, it was because North Carolina hadn't given us all the information. It's like, just own it. You buckled under pressure to do the right thing finally, which you should have done to begin with. And listen, I was also happy uh, Isaac, uh, one of Miami's coaches, defensive coordinator, Lance Guidry, was asked about Tez Walker. And of course, he was very complimentary about Walker as a player and also mentioned he was glad he got cleared. He thought it was the right thing because as, as coaches, they never want to see guys with eligibility lose an opportunity to play for a season. So I, I thought, I love, yeah, when you see the, uh, the, the brotherhood come together, I mean, it's the same thing. Like yeah. you never want to see a player go down injured. It's that same thing. Like yeah. you want to win a football game, but not at the expense of somebody getting hurt. And it's very similar on that. Yeah, so for Miami this week, um, the storyline, <laughs> it's basically hitting me on top of the head with a sledgehammer. It, it's so obvious, and that's how the Hurricanes are going to respond, okay? Because if I were to take my intense knowledge and history of the Miami program away from the situation, I would see a team that just suffered a unnecessary, horrific uh choke job of a loss last week and if i remove like you know all i know about the program and the fandom i would say okay that team's probably going to be pretty angry and will respond you know like like a wounded animal the following week week right but the the problem is that's not really been the history in the dna of miami over the last 20 years that oftentimes when this team faces adversity uh, it tends to spiral, you know, rather than kind of galvanize the group. And, and that's where we're going to have to see if this is different, because, yes, players and coaches since Monday have been saying the right things, but saying the right things and actually doing the right things on the mm. field are two different things. You know, Mario Cristobal mentioned on Monday that players have been just chomping on the bit to get back on the field, right? That it left such a bad taste in their mouth the way that Georgia Tech game ended that they just want to get out there. You know, they want to they want to play again. They want to hit somebody. Um, and you know, Matt Lee, Miami's starting center, who's one of the emotional leaders of the team. He was very emotional on the sidelines at the was end that of that, that game with, with the long hair. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's, he said, we he's won't getting... repeat what he was saying. How about that? <laughs> I don't think we can. I think, we... <laughs> no. I think, uh, that David Locke would revoke our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Tyler Van Dyke talked about putting it behind them. So, again, it's like if you take the professional approach and I, they do have some strong characters in the locker room as far as, you know, player player driven group and team leaders. So hopefully they can respond the right way. And uh, listen, I appreciate the fact that Mario Cristobal, after, you know, making one of the most boneheaded calls I've seen, quite frankly, covering Miami not to take a knee. Uh, he did take accountability for it. And I think that's the only, when you talk about moving forward and keeping the trust of your players, I think being accountable is the only way that you can do that. Right. So Miami needs to show up and they need to play. I think it was Josh Pate who said, play like a team with your hair on fire like that. that mm -hmm. That's the way that you hope they're going to play this Saturday against North Carolina. But it's yet to be determined. Well, I'm over here hoping that Carolina's got some fire extinguishers in the locker room then, Dono, because I don't want to see that fire. I don't need that noise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's been the question on the Carolina side all week is, will this be a team that's wounded and spirals and doesn't know how to respond or, or will they respond well? And, and what's interesting to me 
Dono, I, you know, I didn't play sports at super crazy high levels, but enough to where I realized that there's also the possibility of you go too high into your energy and you make costly mental mistakes with that. So there's almost like, I feel like there's this happy medium for the hurricanes this weekend where it's like, you don't want to spiral, but you don't want to be emotional about it either. You want it to, to focus you rather than it being like this overhyped response, right? Like, is that, is that a healthy way for them to approach it? It's a tremendous point you bring up because Miami's one of the most penalized teams in the country. So you think about if you're a little bit too jacked and the adrenaline is is going through the roof, does that mean you're going to have that extra shove out of bounds, right? Does that going to mean you're going to have, you know, you're going to put your body weight on the quarterback when you tackle him and risk getting a roughing the passer penalty? Because that's been a problem for Miami even when they haven't had extra adrenaline and motivation. <laughs> How do you kind of rein some of that back in? So I, I think that's worth it. I know that, uh, you know, s- something else I, I want to address is uh, obviously on top of the fact that Cristobal did cost the team the game. I know that Miami fans are, are sharing these screenshots about all the, you know, how the fumble by Don Chaney wasn't really a fumble. And I agree it wasn't a fumble. And I, I feel so bad for Chaney. Like, yep. I feel really bad yes. for him yes. that he has to take any of that heat. Uh, and you know, this stuff is, it doesn't change the outcome. So, you know, I kind of wish some, maybe some of our fans would move forward a little bit more because yes, you were hard done by the officials, but you were hardest done by your own coach and your own team. So they need to respond from that. Exactly. He shouldn't have ever been in the position to potentially fumble it, whether that was the right call or not. But I agree. I, I know that, you know, video evidence didn't show it and it's call stand situation rather than confirmed, but still should have never happened. Well, Dono and I want to talk more about what are the key matchups in this game. As you're tuning in on Saturday night, what are you watching for on the Miami side? What are you watching for on the Carolina side? It's going to help ultimately determine who is the winner of this football game. We're going to get to that conversation in just a second. But first, we need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Canes and Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on all sorts of stuff, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On Canes your first listen each and every day. I always love when we can do these crossovers. And hey, if you guys want to watch this again, if you're watching it on Locked On Canes, go watch it again on Locked On Tar Heels and vice versa. We are free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, wow, Isaac, um, this game, I think, is ripe with crucial matchups. And these two teams, North Carolina has definitely gotten the better of Miami in recent years. 
most of the matchups have been really close. I think despite how bad Miami's season was last year, people forget how good Tyler Van Dyke was against the Tar Heels last year and just how close that game was and a costly error of Jalen Knighton fumble who's, you know, no longer on Miami was, you know, one of the reasons why Miami couldn't close a comeback victory in that game. So it's been close in recent years. Anything you look at, Isaac, from a Carolina standpoint as a key matchup that could decide this game? Well, you just talked about it with Tyler Van Dyke. But before we get there, I need to remind you folks that my man Dono is one of the co-hosts of Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. So make sure you tune into that tomorrow from 11 a.m. to noon Eastern. Don't let him get away with any North Carolina slander. Make sure he's bringing all that. No, no I'm just kidding. Very I, I, just, I just can't wait to see how much Drake and Kenton troll me for that Georgia Tech <laughs> oh, game. I, know I, I have been waiting all week. No, seriously, you guys do such a good job, Dono, with <laughs> Thank that. You. Thank you for how you get us all ready for the weekend of college football. Anyway. Uh, you talked about what a great game Van Dyke had last year for the Canes. And in fact, that was the key matchup that I'm watching this year is the North Carolina defense. And in particularly the D line and the linebackers getting to Tyler Van Dyke, getting pressure on him, making him uncomfortable. You and I were talking about this before we started recording Dono, but Carolina has 13 sacks on the year in five games so far. You know, you spread that out from an average standpoint. Cool. That looks really good. But you dive into depth on these numbers, nine of those sacks were in the first game against South Carolina, and then just four more spread out through the last four games. But what Carolina has been doing is getting to the quarterback. They just haven't always been getting him down. Uh, they've been making life a little bit more uncomfortable. The last year struggled mightily all over the field on defense, other than the linebacking core, which is returned and intact in the form of Cedric Gray, the, the heart and soul of this defense and power echoes. These dudes rack up tackles like it is their job. But North Carolina's defensive front is much improved this year. The heart and soul of that unit is Cayman Rucker, an undersized end who just gets there. I don't know how he does it with his size, but he does it. And then in the secondary, uh, led kind of by a transfer from ETSU in Elijah Huzzy, who has three picks in the last two games, just making plays all over the field, including a punt return touchdown two games ago. But Critically, Dono, for the Tar Heels, they've got to get to Tyler Van Dyke, make life uncomfortable, try to find their way picking through this line to get to him so that they don't allow a game like what you mentioned that he had last year, 496 passing yards. I'm taking a victory that we didn't allow him four more to get to 500 and mm. those three passing touchdowns. And interestingly, Carolina did just face Garrett Schrader from Syracuse last year or last week, excuse me, who's a similar mold quarterback in terms of body size and things like that but Tyler Van Dyke that arm is just slightly better than Garrett Schrader so Carolina is going to have to do a job the O-line has to help out the secondary not have to guard in space for forever so that's the key matchup I'm watching for for the Tar Heels what about a you quick, on the Miami side yeah, or, well, yeah give me your response first I, I, want, I want a quick comment on that because you're you're 100 right because I look at Carolina's defense is definitely being an improved group from last year. I mean, how can you not be? Because there's, <laughs> yes. only, there's only one direct. Because I could say the same thing about Miami's offensive line. How can you not be better than you were last year? Because that was a horror show last season. <laughs> um, you know, I think actually probably the most Im improved position group on Miami is their offensive line. Uh, so giving Tyler Va Van Dyke time is going to be important. Uh, Miami has been a good running team all season long. I'm sure they're going to want to kind of set the tone on the ground and something I'd like to see Miami do both from a play design standpoint. And obviously the O-line is a big part of this is 
maybe kick more runs to the outside because mm. they, they've been focusing most of their efforts between the tackles and it's been fruitful. But when you've got speed at running back with players like AJ Allen, who's super fast and explosive and Chris Johnson, a true freshman track star, who's starting to get a little bit more playing time, may, maybe uh, not everything between the tackles might be a good thing to look for. Uh, but I, I think that's a great matchup. And obviously Tyler Van Dyke, it's got to be better than he was against Georgia Tech for Miami to have any chance, right? But a key matchup that I look at, um, I could take a cop out and say, you know, it all starts from putting pressure on Drake May, but it's so obvious. Like Miami needs to pressure him, but I'm going to look at the actual matchup between the Miami Hurricanes secondary and North Carolina's very talented receivers. Because even if Miami can put May under duress, he can hurt him with his legs. He can buy time, improvise, and get get the ball downfield, even if the pocket collapses. He's or so get good himself with himself downfield. Exactly. So <laughs> he's going to get the ball to those talented receivers, regardless. And that that's been one area uh, of Miami's defense, the defensive backfield. It's been a little bit hit or miss. I'm wondering if Tez Walker is going to be ready to be more of a protagonist this week. He's on paper. He could be North Carolina's best receiver, but he's working his way up. McCollum, Jones, Pesor have been really good so far this year. Now, on paper, uh, I won't even say on paper because it's played out pretty well so far for <laughs> Miami having, you know, one of the best safety duos in the country right. and Cam That's Pensions right. and James. Although Cam made a terrible mistake to allow that game-winning Georgia Tech. That was a mental lapse oh. by him. But Cam and James have been awesome. And then there's going to be a huge task for Daryl Porter and Jaden Davis, who are Miami's starting cornerbacks, because neither of them are, are that tall. They're both under six foot. I think they've both outplayed the expectations so far this year. I've been very complimentary of both mm. Porter uh, and, uh, and Davis so far. And they got the job done uh, against Texas A&M, even though they're going up against very tall, talented receivers. <laughs> This is going to be another test, right? Because uh, I think North Carolina's offense could be even more dangerous than the one they faced against Texas A&M. So that, that matchup, Miami's defensive backs against all of Carolina's weapons, it all starts with the pass rush, sure. But at times, you're going to have receivers downfield, one-on-one -on -one coverage. Miami's got to answer that call. Yeah, I, I think that's a great observation there, Dono, because people you know, have heard about Tez Walker because of how public that's been but also Nate McCollum who you mentioned a transfer from Georgia Tech has been the ACC receiver of the week twice this year already yeah um, and you've got JJ Jones who you mentioned that had a hundred yard game a couple games ago Kobe Pesor who had a I think the number one play on Sports Center last week after a one-handed tip pass that he caught and ran to the end zone I have heard as we record this I don't know if it's true Dono but I heard that something might have happened with one of his pinky toes in practice like I just heard mm. that couple minutes ago i i have zero to go on with that of any kind of fact but that that's something to keep an eye on but also folks might not realize that carolina has a three deep tight end group that all uh, are receiving tight ends including bryson nesbitt who might behind drake may might be one of the uh, most prized nfl picks on this team and so yeah it's not it, drake may does have this entire roster of people that'll catch it but as i alluded to and terribly rudely interrupted you i apologize <laughs> You're fine. Uh, Dr drake may the other thing is when he does get bottled up just seems to have a way yeah. of slithering out and finding his way free had a left-handed touchdown pass earlier this year dono i don't know if you saw that or I remember see that. that but i mean just stuff like that and it is ridiculous and how he's able to extend a play either with his legs or his arm 
It's just I wouldn't want to have to game plan against that. And uh, I just want to remind Carolina folks to enjoy it while you got it because my man's going to be gone in about three months. So keep keep your eyes on everything Drake May is trying to do this week. Folks, we've got more to get to. We want to make sure to talk about keys to victory for both teams. We're going to look at our game predictions based on our FanDuel lines, the number one sports book in America, by the way, we'll remind you again. But before we get to all of that, I need to tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels and Locked on Canes is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, and then you just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. After that, you can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right experience and skill set so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire. This is all why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes and Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. Isaac and I on both ends will have you guys covered leading up to Saturday's matchup, Saturday night in prime time. And yes, as Isaac mentioned, on Friday morning, make sure you tune in to Locked on College <laughs> Football Kickoff Live. Me, Drake Toll, Kenton Gibbs will be taking you through all the big storylines. Heisman race, top 25, the big games, coaches on the hot seat, all that good stuff. So make sure you tune in 11 a.m. to noon streaming on these or any Locked On College YouTube channel. All right, Isaac, uh, keys to victory for the Tar Heel side. And then people know we're going to get into those predictions as well. But let's start with the keys. Um, interestingly, I have a general broad one and then two two quick specifics, if I may, Donald. My, my sure. general one, I... I it sounds weird to say, but just keep doing what you've been doing. One of the Carolina struggles last year was that we talked about how bad that defense was. And it was like the offense had to win games. You had to score more to win. And Carolina's defense would routinely let them down. And then they're either clinging for dear life, hoping for a turnover, or maybe Drake May makes a last minute play. This year, Carolina, this is wild, has actually been able to pull away from opponents a little bit and finish games. Dono, it's the craziest thing because the <laughs> defense has been making some plays. The offense keeps going, but the offense, um, it, what I want to get to with some specificity of keys to victory, number one is to continue the balanced offensive approach. Carolina under Phil Longo last year, who's now the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin that I'm still trying to figure out that move, uh, was very much just straight up air raid. And it was like, we'll turn to our running game if and when we can. And uh, Drake May ended up as the leading rusher last year. Sam Howell was the leading rusher the year before that. Carolina under new offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey has employed a much more balanced offensive approach this year. If the ground game is what's working as it did against Appalachian State where Omarion Hampton ran absolutely wild. Carolina's going to lean into that, even if it means that Drake May, oh my goodness, doesn't get to 300 yards and the fan base freaks out because he's not getting Heisman numbers. It's more important to get a win, and that's what Carolina is doing better this year, is balancing that offensive approach. As part of that, my second key is for Drake May 
to get 50 rushing yards. Sometimes that's going to be on a designed run. Sometimes that's just as, as I was saying a minute ago, him just recognizing an opportunity to take off on third down or whenever it is. He loved uh, a North Carolina writer recently said, I think Drake may might purposefully screw up on first and second down sometimes so that he can win on third down. And, and it's that kind of thing. But man, he's so successful at it. And so I think that that threshold I'm looking for for Drake May is in that 50 yard range. And I think that'll help be that balanced approach that Carolina needs to get that victory on Saturday night. That was excellent. And I, I hope Mario Cristobal was listening so he can game plan for all of those great <laughs> points that you've made. Uh, for, for me, my first key for Miami, it's something I've been harping on all week. Put Georgia Tech behind you. Oh, I shouldn't have to say it, but I do have to say it because that was such an emotionally draining loss. Yep. There are definitely concerns about how you respond to that. I actually think it's a good thing that this is a road game because hmm. road opportunities, you know, you're traveling together. You can shut out, you know, the outside world and the campus a little bit and just kind of focus on each other as teammates. I think sometimes it's better to go on the road after you suffer a tough loss like that. So that might help Hurricanes players avoid some of those distractions. That's number one. Number two would be uh, protect Tyler Van Dyke. That's the big thing. You know, hopefully uh, hopefully Miami can hold North Carolina to, you know, one sack and not, you know, the nine that they were able to grab against <laughs> South Carolina because Miami's going to need to throw the fo football to win this game. Right. Uh, if nothing else, um, I think best case scenario is you win a shootout, a best case scenario for Miami, because I, I think a shootout is very possible because you're not going to shut uh, Drake May down. So and, and part of protecting Tyler Van Dyke, kind of a bonus key to that is spread the football around a little bit more. Miami's been very reliant on Xavier Restrepo, who's been their top receiver this year. He seems to be always open somehow, but I, I think spreading the football around a little bit more, getting Colby Young, Jacoby George, maybe Tyler Harrell off the bench involved could help Miami diversify that attack a little bit. Uh, you know, my third key, uh, I know I kind of glossed over this last segment, but I'm going to hit it hard now. You've got to put May under pressure. Yeah. Even if he deals with that pressure well, create chaos because chaos creates opportunity for a defense. Um, I would argue for the past three weeks or so, Miami's best defensive lineman has actually been true freshman Ruben Bain. Oh, wow. I don't know if I can say that's great or maybe that's not so good, right? Because, but you know, Ruben Bain has been su such a monster. Uh, you know, he's been a difficult guy. A lot of times he gets held and they don't always call it or he gets double teamed. Uh, Leonard Taylor really needs to step up. Uh, his, his reps are very productive, but He's not always on the field a whole lot. I think that may say something about his conditioning. He's got to be consistently putting pressure on May this week. Jafari Harvey on the outside as well. Branson Dean in the interior. Uh, and then I'll, I'll throw in a bonus key number four. If you are fortunate enough to have a lead in your final offensive drive, take the knee. <laughs> if I'm if out. you're fortunate enough. <laughs> if you're fortunate enough in a oh. tough game where you're three and a half point underdogs, if you do have a three point lead or a seven point lead or a 30 point lead, I don't care. Take that knee. If you can run out that clock, I, I had to leave you with that one as well. Oh, Dono, that's so good. Uh, you know, I can create a, a little chart for Coach Cristobal that he can just consult and, and get it figured out. <laughs> that was, that's too good, man. I love it. Well, here's the thing. As we look at this series, I wouldn't guess this, but Carolina actually leads the all-time series against Miami 15-11. to 11. 
as you referenced earlier, it has been all Tar Heels lately. Carolina yeah. is on a four-game winning streak. However, outside of that 2020 game, which we'll just we'll just leave that one to the side, I think. Uh, the other three in this winning streak have all been by three points. So lots of close games. Our partners at FanDuel have it, North Carolina, by three and a half with an over-under set at 56 and a half. Dono, as you look at everything we've just talked about and where things are headed on Saturday night, how do you see this game turning out? First thing I'm going to say is I've noticed that people are betting that over-under higher because I, I, I saw it, I think, earlier this week around 53 and a half, 54. I think the combined score is going to be in the 60s. So I'm 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 still I'm still feeling good about the over. As far as the way the game plays out, wow. So I, I've been of the mind for the past few days that from a Miami standpoint, this can go one of two ways. Either it's the spiral or they bounce back and play their best game of the season. I think it's going to be one of those. So I'm going to stay on the optimistic side. Now <laughs> I'm not predicting a blowout. I would never do that because North Carolina's offense is too good. And, and Drake May could step into a few NFL lineups right now and, and play quarterback and, and wouldn't look out of place doing that. So uh, I, I'm going to kind of keep on your theme of it being, you know, about a three-point game, which history says it probably could be. And I'm going to go Miami by three, uh, but I don't think there's going to be a take-the-knee situation. I think it'll be a game-winning field goal yeah. by uh, by by Andres Borigalis. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Probably something like I'll go Miami, Miami uh, 37, UNC 34. Okay. A lot of what you just said was my exact thinking. Uh, I actually have it hitting the over, but not quite as much. A total of 59 for me. I have this hmm. game Carolina 31. Miami 28 wow. because what you, I mean, how close we're so close Dono yeah great yeah. minds uh but your mind thought three points better for the Canes mine went three points better for <laughs> anyway um what you said about it would be better for the Canes if this was a bit of a shootout as weird as it sounds for the Tar Heels I think it's better if it's like in the in the middle of shootout and defensive struggle that's why I'm going that 31 28 line Carolina has hit 30 points in all five games this season in fact back-to-back -back seasons have started out the season 30 or more points in the first five games and i so i see them doing that again there's the great uh you know you talked about kinchins and those guys in the secondary you gotta account for them but again drake may versus that i think there's going to be enough of drake may to get there to that 30 point threshold but i think miami with tyler van dyke who has a history of success against carolina is gonna get the canes up several scores several touchdowns but I think that Carolina has just enough in the end uh, to be able to pull it out 31-28. So Miami covers the spread for both of us. Uh, another three-game uh, deficit or three-point margin in this series, and we both have it hitting the over. Dono, these two teams I think are very evenly matched. Should be an electric game Saturday night. Yeah, it should be. I can't wait to watch it. Um, and it's prime time. It's going to be fun. Prime time on ABC. Hopefully much of America is watching. Awesome job there by Isaac Shade from Locked on Tar Heels. Guys, if you want to support Locked on Canes, make sure to hit the like button, hit the thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe to our channel. If you listen to the audio version, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, Google, wherever you get your pods. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.